Hey guys, Gabe here. I just wanted to let you know that today, the day that this goes out, which is July 3rd, is the last day to take part in the Kickstarter for my brother's RPG, The Mountain Witch. So I, I seriously implore all of you to go and check that out right now. If you haven't uh, checked it out already, go there, go to kickstarter.com, type in The Mountain Witch, and check that out. Contribute, get a copy. It's going to be awesome. So thank you all so much. Have a great 4th of July. Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we have two very special guests with us today, <gasps> Garen and Dan from D&D Character Lab. Woo. Hey guys, it's Garen. Hey, it's Dan. Yes, welcome. Welcome, guys. I'm so glad to have you guys here. How are you guys doing today? Thank you. Uh, fantastic. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today. Thanks for having us on the show. It's a beautiful, rainy Sunday here in Florida. Yeah, it's been a it's been a Sunday full of D and D, so it's uh, not a bad Sunday in my book. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's uh, we're up in Michigan, and it's it was raining a little bit earlier, but it's been pretty pretty nice out today. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jeff, how are how are you doing? Um, not too bad. Uh, I, again, enjoying the enjoying the weather. I I kind of like post rain like summer <laughs> where it's sort of cool or you know it's not quite it's so muggy because you know all the moisture has kind of found its way to the ground instead of. All over the, you know. Yeah. I just, I hate humidity so much. I hate yep. it. <laughs> it's the worst. I don't, yeah, I like, you, you mentioned Florida and I'm like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live, I couldn't live in, uh, in like a high humidity area like that. Sure. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So Garen and Dan, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about your show? I know we, we mentioned you guys a lot, but, uh, if you want to tell us about your show and, and, uh, what's going on. Yeah, sure. We're a, we're a weekly, uh, podcast um, competitive in nature. Uh, we each bring a an originally created character uh, at various levels every week uh, and score those characters against a predefined table of criteria. Uh, and we argue one another in each category until one of us reigns supreme. Uh, we feature a lot of different third-party content as well as content uh, from Wizards of the Coast official. Uh, and currently we are operating only under fifth edition. Yeah, I love your show. Uh, when I first listened to it, it was it was uh, recommended to me by Justin from Crit Academy, and I just I was listening to this, and within like five minutes, I was like, "How how does this not already exist? This is amazing! <laughs> I love it." Yeah, when Gabe first told me about it, he was I, I think it was around the time you guys made the uh, the turtle characters, and mm-hmm. like my, my like I love turtles. Just just one, of, it's my favorite animal ever since I was a little kid. And so. Like when they made the turtle race, I was like, "Yes, absolutely." And then Gabe was like, "You got to check these guys out. They they made they made turtle characters and pit them against each other." I was like, "Okay, all right, I'm in." Yeah. So yeah, you guys do a really good job. Did you by chance get interviewed by the news media when you were a child about I- your love for turtles? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm not sure if I remember correctly. I I just remember a lot of face paint or something. I don't know. No, no, that was not me. <laughs> that could have that could have been me, but that was not me. But yeah. Um, and also to to display display like how good you guys are at competing with one another. I don't know how Gabe is going to edit this, but you guys were sort of fighting over who got to describe your show. <laughs> so uh, so that was uh, that was very that was very on brand. Yeah. Well, if you want me to do a take of it with less ums and uhs, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Again, thank you guys so much for for coming on the show. I think uh, I think we're gonna have a good episode. Yeah. Today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. You guys got anything else going on that you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah, anything you guys want to plug or anything like that? No, no, not that I can think of. No. Garen, really? What? What are we plugging? <laughs> Well, if uh, if anybody likes our show and wants to uh, check out our Patreon, we are patreon.com forward slash DND Character Lab. There you go. I am myself a patron, so I uh, I can give everybody a thumbs up. You guys have come out with a lot of like bonus episodes and stuff, and there a lot of them are really really good. Um, I mean, so I mean, sorry, all of them are really good. I mean, there's a lot of them, and they're good. <laughs> no, it's okay. Some of uh, them are crap. <laughs> okay. Now I um I just kind of put all my podcasts in a big pile when I listen to them. Your you guys did an episode from the uh, D&D wiki was that a bonus episode or was that a normal episode that was regular okay that because that that was a that was a really good episode <laughs> um, I was telling Jeff about your your poop monster episode <laughs> uh, excuse me that was a toilet monster 
I, I'm sorry, my mistake. Well, the toilet monster. They were they were they were both poop themed though. Oh I yes, know, yeah. <laughs> Dan's came from poop, and mine was just all about that poop. Yep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, uh, do you guys want to go ahead and get into the episode? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Now, Garen, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you have a an intro for the Dragon Sword today. I do. Are you gentlemen ready? Okay. I, oh, oh. I, I guess so. I guess <laughs> okay. I'm as ready as I have to be. Right. Well, I want to take you to a cramped, humid building. I know how much you love oh. humidity, Jeff. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> the lights are so low, but the sound is blaring. The two of you find yourself at a ska concert. Oh, no. And, oh, no. And as Mustard Plug jams on the stage to one of their many songs <laughs> that sound... Very much alike. <laughs> the horn section playing their horns. The guitar se- player playing chords, mostly. You two begin to skank with the rest of the crowd. So I'm going to need oh, a performance no. check from both of you. A skank check. Oh, okay. A skank All right. check. Um, I don't have a high performance. Come on. Oh, no, no. My skank modifier is really oh, low. Oh, no. Oh. I got a four. Jeff, is that a two? That's a two. I think we just kicked each other. <laughs> so this being your first time at a ska concert, I assume you're not familiar with skanking yet. So as your sure. limbs and start to flail akimbo, you intertwine with each other and tumble to the ground. Oh no. So now I need a dexterity check with disadvantage as you are about to be trampled by the skank mob. Oh no. Disadvantage. Okay. Um, well, that's another four Let's see how- and, uh, an eight. So a four for me. Mine was oh. a six. Okay. The, the this, feet, is, this is not our day. The feet <laughs> stomp on your backs and your heads. You guys are momentarily confused, taking some amount of bludgeoning damage, but you manage oh, to no. recover yourselves. <laughs> the music of mustard plug giving you the energy to go on. And as you see, the crowd starts to part at the base of the stage. Something glimmering amongst all of the sweaty bodies and checkered t-shirts. You push your way through the mob, occasionally avoiding another skank attack. <laughs> when you reach the stage, you catch something in the low, dirty light bulbs that you've never seen so beautiful. You have found the dragon's horde. <laughs> I just say, I. That was amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> Good job. A ska themed dragon's horde. Yes, I I want to say I've been to two ska concerts. I've definitely I... been to ska concerts too. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know there was a thing referred to as skanking. Oh but... yeah, it's this dance where you, you kind of kick and you put. The, I'll I'll show you later. Okay. I, I'll show. I'm not going to show you myself. Okay. I will show you a video. Okay. I think that should be a video of you, Gabe. <laughs> yes. I'll see what I can do. All right. <laughs> so uh, in addition to that uh, wonderful, wonderful intro, you guys also have a, a magic item for today as well? Yes, we do. So today's magic item is called the Vertebral Sword. It is a very rare weapon, and it is a sword forged from the curved, elongated spinal cod- column of a caudal. Or caudal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do you say that? Does anyone know? I say coaddle. Coaddle? Let's go with koala. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm more concerned about the fact that I'm pretty sure it's vertebral. No, no. Ver- <laughs> and, listen. And, and also, it's it's not sword. <laughs> yes, it's also everyone, not sword. Everyone stay in your lane. It's vertebral. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sword. Now. But really, let's focus on the fantasy monsters pronunciation. <laughs> the, the one thing that doesn't actually exist <laughs> now let me start over it's a sword forged from the curved elongated spinal column of a coaddle the bearer has plus three to all attack rolls and plus three poison damage on attacks on three consecutive missed attacks with this weapon the sword's spine begins to reanimate and turns into an aggressive and combative coaddle t- before you Oh my. Yes. So it's one of these uh, things that you probably find in your campaign, you know, you're you're mystified with the fact that it gives you these special bonuses, but then uh once you hit three consecutive misses, uh it turns on you. Oh my goodness. That's, so so it it attacks you, it doesn't attack for you. No, no. It is combative towards you. Oh man. <laughs> That's 
that's really cool because it's really powerful. It's a, it's a plus three weapon, correct? It is, yes. Yeah, but then, yeah, if you miss, <laughs> if you miss three times in a row. Yeah, I like I yeah, I really like that. It's like it's like a ticking time bomb sort of thing, and yeah. like it's it's a powerful weapon that you could give to the party early on, and then they'll be like, wow, okay, yeah, I'll take it, sure, fine, and then three bad rolls, which is bound to happen because yeah, you know, especially if I'm rolling, it's not gonna be, <laughs> it's not gonna be as bad. as evidenced earlier. Now, uh, let me ask if if one person misses with it and then hands it to somebody else, does the counter reset or does it continue? Uh, no, three consecutive misses in the same party doesn't matter. Okay, then here's what I see happening if such an item shows up in the campaign. Uh, one person misses with it, they miss with it again, then they put it away and never get to use it, or choose to never use it again because they're afraid that they're gonna, <laughs> it's gonna kill them. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily tell them that. Or... Oh, that's true. Oh, you no, just, this is, just, yeah, I... that's complete, that's complete secret. They wouldn't know okay. that. Yeah, they wouldn't know that. Uh, so we did an entire uh, blog post on our now defunct website, dndcharacterlab.com, <laughs> called Evil Magic Items. And uh, we had a bunch of magic items that, you know, the, the party would discover uh, not knowing their evil uh, caveats. Sure. Mm -hmm. well, I think that's really cool. I, I do like when items have a powerful benefit, but also a powerful drawback. It's best to find a way that the drawback will actually be significant mm -hmm. to the person using it. What is the CR of a, what's it again? A, a koala is... <laughs> <laughs> Giant koala. Four. Oh, only a four. I thought it was a lot higher than that. I mean, that's still, that, that's still, you know, that's that's supposed to go against a party of level four characters. That's not, yeah. you know, that's not I was maybe, I'm, maybe they were more powerful in earlier editions. I thought I remembered them being like... 15th level and having like all sorts of really high level spells or something. Yeah, yeah I mean they, they're still an AC of 19 with 97 yeah. hit points so I mean it's it's still a pretty formidable foe just mm -hmm. for missing. I mean and, and you gotta remember you're in combat when you're using this thing and then all of a sudden a coaddle is also going to appear and that's sure, just gonna sure. add to oh, your list of problems. Fly, fly 90 feet true sight 120 feet. These guys are no joke. Yeah. And you no longer have the sword. So you also have that going against you at that point. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, it has damage immunity of psychic bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, and non-magical weapons. How this thing is CR4 yeah. is beyond me. I, I, think, I have no idea. I think it's because it's lawful good. It, it, Maybe. It's, it's not something that's intended to be in, in like an actual physical encounter. It's yeah. more just, just to have stats for it, I guess. But like maybe it's a yeah maybe it's a lower CR because it's not something that the players are more are gonna actually fight. Yeah, I don't know. But this one you will because it's really pissed off. It got turned into a sword. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, right, right. This, this one like it, it gave you a gift of uh, you know of of this plus three weapon and it just got really mad at you for roll for rolling those uh, rolling those you know single digits. Yeah. Um, have you guys listened to the podcast The Adventure Zone? Of course. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I love it. But there's a, there's a magic item that one of the characters gets in that that is, if I recall, a shield that if you tell it a story about a time that you fought, like let's say you're fighting orcs, if you tell it a story about a time that you fought orcs, it gains an additional, an additional AC bonus against orcs. Yes. But I think you can lie to it if you haven't actually fought one of these things. But if you fail a bluff check, or a deception check rather, it becomes like non-magical or something like that. Maybe I'm getting some of those details wrong, but uh, this kind of <laughs> reminds me of something like that. Yes, there is definitely a penalty because I remember Magnus tried to lie to it about robots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wasn't it that like the the image of that feat was like inscribed on it? Yes. Or something yes. like that? That's yeah, cool. that's that's a cool item. But no, I think this this sword is really cool. What was the sword called again? It was called the Vertebral <laughs> Sword. The vertebral okay. sword. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, well, uh, well, you made me think that maybe like if if you miss the third time and it changes, you can try to like tell it that no, wait, and I actually did hit. You could try to convince <laughs> it that you didn't miss. Yeah, that's a good question. Can you try to bluff the coaddle once it tries to attack you? You can always charm it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a lawful good. Uh, what is it? A celestial? I, like it's what intelligence eighteen? I'm sure you could reason with it. <laughs> Wisdom twenty. Yeah. Uh, this thing stats. <laughs> you know, its lowest stat is a sixteen. Basically, yeah. Nice. Basically, born yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I I really like this item because it is it's relatively simple. You know, it's a plus three sword that also does uh, three poison damage. Mm -hmm. 
but it's got that drawback and that drawback is really where it's going to get interesting. I could see myself giving this to the players and cursing every time they hit on that third that third attack you know what i mean sure oh yeah because it has to be consecutive right yeah so, like you're as a dm you're like oh man here it's it comes gonna, it's gonna happen and then oh dang well, it, dang i mean it, it's bad it. enough as as a player when you miss two attacks in a row i mean when i right, miss two yeah. attacks in a row i'm like oh you know i'm cursing at the table and then on that third miss you know the player's already very upset and then the dm just throws in this little little bit of extra news <laughs> just ruins the day <laughs> Yeah, I once, uh, a long time ago, I was running an adventure where I was pretty sure the party's rogue was going to try to, like, just steal some stupid stuff from these poor commoners. And as a way to, because this was back when I was a terrible DM, I think, uh, and as a way to sort of get back at the player rather than just telling him, like, dude, why are you doing that? You don't need whatever. Anyway, to get back at him, I was planning on one of the things he had stolen to turn out to be, like, a magical artifact that was hiding this powerful demon or something and once he took it away from like the temple he got it from it was gonna shatter and the demon was gonna kill everybody uh but then the player ended up not showing up that day so it it didn't happen <laughs> oh <laughs> that showed him yeah that showed him all right <laughs> whereas nowadays if i had an issue with something a player was doing i would in theory i would talk to him about it yeah or i would just ask myself why i had an issue with the rogue being rogue i don't know mm. Anyway, uh, so that, that was the, the vertebral sword. <laughs> yeah. I hate you both. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys so much for uh, for bringing that item. I think that was really cool. Uh, so I think that will do it for the Dragon's Horde today. Jeff, if somebody wanted to submit Dragon's Horde items, or if they wanted to submit questions for us to discuss, or stories for the funeral pyre, how would they do so? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, before we go any further, we have a drawing for the Chapel on the Cliffs adventure from Goblin Stone. Mm -hmm. So uh, in case anybody doesn't know about this, we have this adventure that we're giving out every week. And today, this week's winner is Peace Joy Pancakes. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Woo. You should be getting that uh, in your email within the next 24 hours. If you don't, let me know. Also, be sure to check your spam folder because they always they always end up there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let us know if you haven't gotten it and we will get you sorted out. If anybody wanted to enter this drawing, Jeff, how would they do so? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com mm -hmm. with the subject line, Chapel on the Cliffs. Yes, it is that easy. And also, we wanted to mention uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We've got some cool rewards on there. We actually just got another patron, another top-tier patron, nice. in fact. Uh, so we want to thank our new patron, Doug W. Oh, so thank you so much, Doug. We really appreciate your contribution. And uh, I'll be getting in touch with you pretty soon, if I haven't already, about uh, writing a character story for you. Awesome. So, yeah. Thanks, Doug. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, Gary and Dan, if you would like to plug your Patreon again as well. Yeah, that would be www.patreon.com forward slash D&D Character Lab. Yes, and you guys have a whole bunch of rewards. You have like bonus episodes. People can, uh, they can kind of curate parts of your show, if that's correct. Yeah, so we offer uh, bonuses of people being able to name our characters as well as come up with scenarios for both our spitting fire and our smooth operator portions of our show, which basically are the charisma focused, uh, non-combative ways of handling situations, uh, in the, for the player. Yeah. So, uh, so if anybody, um, if you can only support one Patreon, support us, if you can support two, <laughs> support, uh, D, D character lab as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then also we have uh, some other great friends over at Crit Academy, CritAcademy.com. Um, they create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike, and uh, they're they're really good. I'm um, sorry. Once again, what is uh, could uh, could you guys tell our listeners where they can find your podcast? It's oh, it's on SoundCloud. No, Garen. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So you can go ahead and find our you can go ahead and find our show uh, wherever you hear podcasts. We're available on Google Play Store, uh, Apple iTunes uh, podcast app, uh, also available on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Yes, awesome. All right, you guys want to go ahead and get into uh, some discussion questions? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, our first question comes from Shadowhand Silverbones. Uh, this was on Steam. Yes. <laughs> uh, how do you remember everyone's character names? Yeah, I thought this would be a good question for, uh, for you two because you guys make characters every week. And the, you guys always have, you do a really good job coming up with cool and interesting names and names that really fit the character. 
uh, except when they are submitted by a, a patron. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, how do you guys remember character names, whether it is the character names of your characters on the show or just in the games that you play in? Yeah, um, I think, especially when it comes to the show, it helps that we're sitting down right there and I got my character in front of me. Dan's, I'm going to be honest, when we're doing the show, I usually don't remember his names because they're so stupid. Um <laughs> <laughs> wow shots fired but, I'm, but not, sitting I'm not at gonna the table, argue that it's true they're pretty bad <laughs> but sitting at the table i like to really feel like we're in the moment and i think our table also encourages role play as much as we can so i think it's just a little smoother because you kind of feel like the person is who they're supposed to be yes sometimes sometimes for me i do uh, i do fumble on it a little bit especially when dan died recently and he had to come back with a new name so i think we all slipped up there a little bit mm. yeah um, I like to refer to everybody else by their character names as much as possible. I will, even if I'm talking to them out of character, I will still try to, especially when I'm the DM, because I need, I need to, when I'm the DM, I really need to remember everybody's names. So I try to remember, I try to refer to everybody exclusively by their character names. Yeah, Gabe, that's actually a good point. We had a new um, member of our party just join and I actually knew his character name because I knew him in my head as his character name before I actually yeah. could remember his real name. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's a good point. I, uh, I don't know if, if you guys have, I've, I've mentioned before um, that I often do about every month I do a D and D game at my local library. Like I run a game just for whoever wants to show up. And, mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, a lot of people come, come through that way. And so I always were, I was just write down, I try to write down their, their name and their character's name, and then, uh, try to refer to them as their character's name so that, you know, I can get them into the, you know, fit them in, into the, the narrative and everything. And at our last most recent one, one of the players, their character name sounded more like an actual name than their name. I, it was a girl and I want to say her name was Legion. Like her actual name was Legion. Okay. Wow. But then her character's name was like Angelica or something. Huh. And I, I had to specify like, oh, no, no, I'm asking what your character's name is. She was like, oh, yeah, my character's name is Angelica. I was like, oh, then what's your name? Legion. Oh. Oh. Okay. That's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool a pretty, name. It's Don't a pretty boss wrong. name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I, I, I try to, that's my main thing is, is just to refer to everybody by the character's names. I try to write down everybody's names at the beginning so I know... Mm. You know, and I write down there if I if I'm meeting the player for the first time, I'll write the player's name next to the character's name. So, well, to help remember my character's names, I have to come up with them first. <laughs> uh, That's true. But uh, speaking speaking of names, character names, uh, wasn't there? Didn't you have a character once, Gabe, that had a cohort? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And what what was what was the character's name? The character's name was Sathorn. Okay. What was the what was the cohort's name? Saris. So Saris and Sathorn. Yes. So you had a, you had you had you had two characters named Saris and Sathorn. Yeah. And you, did did anybody ever get those mixed up? Uh, some people did. Not uh, not me. Of course, <laughs> I knew my characters' names. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's just a it's just a running running joke with uh, with Gabe that uh, or, or well with with our mutual friends against Gabe that yeah, uh, he, yeah. he had these two characters named Saris and Saythorn, and guys, we could never remember which one was the caster and which one was the fighter. You guys would just refer to my contribution to the game as Chronic S Block. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, I think I think Steve came up with that one. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe Jay did that one. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I think it might have been Steve. <laughs> but uh, I find that like even if I know somebody's name, I'm not guaranteed to know how their characters name is spelled mm. because like there'll be there've been times where I've been trying to like write something about a character that I played with a long time ago and then I talk to the person to find out that I had it spelled all wrong like I think uh our friend Chris who was on the podcast a while ago uh Chris sound here Dang. I um I had I was incorporating one of his old characters into a 5th edition game that I was running a couple of years ago and I thought it, his name was Orin. I thought it was spelled like A-U-R-O-N, like in Final Fantasy X. Oh, sure. But then it turned out, no, it was like O-R-R-I-N or something. And I'm hmm. thinking to myself, I must have never learned that. I must have never learned his name by text. I only learned it by yeah. by sound. Yeah. I mean, like, and you never know how many apostrophes are going to be in uh, like an elven character's name. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, more, the, the more that they have in their name, the like higher... The higher Hi rank they are. The higher rank they are, obviously. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, any more tips that uh, that you guys have about uh, remembering everybody's character names? Well, Garen, you you also run a campaign uh, with 
quite a few NPCs. How do you go about memorizing all those names? I've always been pretty fortunate with memory, but I also, I write all of my notes for the campaign in a little moleskin that I just keep in my hand. So I'm constantly flipping back and through the pages, kind of, you know, refreshing myself as we move along through the moments. I'm always trying to keep notes. Like I, like every, anytime I play, I have a notebook on hand, but like, it's just, it's, it's madness. I'll write names down, like, but I won't write them. And then like a description or anything like that, because it's like in the <laughs> middle of, it's like in the middle of like a, you know, a role playing or something like that. So I yeah. can't, you know, I don't want to be dis- too distracted. So like, I'll write it down, like in like the corner of the page or at the top of the page or something. And then like later on, I'm like, you know, I'm like, wait, who, what was the who was the name of that one guy? Or like, or I'll, fi- I'll come across the name later on and have no idea who they are. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, but like, yeah. So like, taking taking notes is a good idea, but you got to take good notes. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even uh, I didn't even think to associate this with remembering NPC names. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I do similar to Jeff. I I write down names, but I I rarely put a description. So then, yeah, someone's like, hey, what was the name of that that merchant? And then I see a list of like 20 names and I'm like, oh, (laughs) shoot. Um, There was, if I'm DMing, I will sometimes try to do stuff to to help the players remember their names. Um, It often ends up going unused. But like I, I, there have been times where I've made like a a wiki site for myself with all the NPCs the characters have met and then a brief description of them. But I usually find out that I usually find that I I put a lot of work into that. And then, like I said, just nobody uses it, which is kind of a shame. But I can't really, you know, I can't blame them for not caring what all these NPCs were doing, you know. Yeah, it's it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's it kind of helps. Like, it kind of helps with, like, you telling the story and stuff like that. That's true. But but yeah, yeah, like, I don't know, like having those having those resources like are, are nice, but it's not. Like we've talked about, I think in the last couple episodes we talked about like using tech in, you know, yeah. in in D and D, but like it's, you know, like having having that sort of resource on the on a computer or something like that. It's a little bit more distracting than it is helpful sometimes. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Our next question comes from Servant of Gaben. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the uh, Steam Summer Sale. It is the Steam uh, Summer Sale as right of now. this recording. Yeah. Um, this was on Reddit. Do you have a character or character type that you play in every campaign? <laughs> well, we we like to we on our show we like to feature uh, the twelve base classes as much as we possibly can. However, mm-hmm. uh, there are clear favorites for both Garen and I. I am very very partial to monks. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't I don't know how many people are. But uh, it, they're one of my favorite classes, and I like to use them as often as I can or multi-class into them. Uh, just a really fun class. Was sure. it you that did the uh, monk turtle? Uh, no, that was actually Garen. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I, I thought I had thought it was the other way around. So, yeah, we were, we were sort of flipping there. Yeah. I really like monks, but I've, I've never gotten a chance to play one for more than one session. So, I guess, no, my first character I played for a few. Anyway, I I've never been able to play one for a long period of time. So... It's, I don't know, it's a neat idea, but I, I don't know. I don't ever want to take the chance with them. That's fair. They're very weak at low levels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as um, a character or character type, I always play. I tend to try and make every character as different from the previous character I played as possible. Oh, yeah. And I'm also the kind of person that, like, if there's a if there's a role that isn't being filled, sure, I'll, I'll take that. Mm. I don't really have any character types I won't play, except I, I'm not a huge fan of nature themed characters like uh rangers or druids but uh you know if the party needs a healer i'll make a cleric if the party needs a uh trap finder whatever i'll make a rogue you know and i'll try to make it as unique as i can so i don't really have this problem however i do have a specific character that i have played in several campaigns but uh it's 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 only because the character he was a fourth edition deva and in 4th edition, Devas were explicitly these creatures that whenever they died, they would be reincarnated somewhere else in a different body. So I use that. I really like the character, and so I use that as an opportunity to say that this is the same character I played in that other campaign, but he died and he woke up here. Hmm. That's a fun loophole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, if, if a DM ever was like, no, I don't want you to play a character you played in another campaign, that's fine. I won't. But uh, I always run it by them and see if see how, how they would like that. Because I, I would like to have this character that like, yeah, I've played him in 10 different campaigns and he's got like stories from each of them. Hmm. 
Yeah, and, and we, we always like to hammer that point home too. Um, a lot of the content that we feature is not going to be suitable for every campaign at every time. Mm-hmm. So uh, running new character options or any supplements that you're thinking about using that are not Wizards of the Coast official, um, running that past your DM is always a great idea. Yeah. Um, Personality-wise, do you guys have like uh, personality types that you play in every campaign or or often compared to other types? I'm often guilty of playing a protector type. Okay. I like to be the, um, I like to be, I like to be looking out for the rest of the party. Sure. And so that's leaned me towards clerics and I uh, playing an ancestral guardian barbarian right now, which is the most protector type of barbarian. And okay. then I even multi-classed him into a paladin and I don't even care for paladins, but it just, you know, just felt right. I, I've talked, yeah, I've talked about this enough on other show. I don't know why I don't like paladins because, as I say, I like to play protectors. That's what I should want to play all the time. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, fla- the flavor of paladin can some it like it just it doesn't always fit with like a character idea. Like mm-hmm. uh, like I, I I think I favored paladins for a while, but I don't know. I do like what they've done in Xanathar's and some of the third party content. We like to feature Midgard Heroes Handbook by Cobalt Press a lot um, in yeah. our show and. They, they've really opened up that that class with some pretty interesting uh, archetypes that don't always have to be this lawful good uh, hero, yeah. you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, we when we first started playing D&D, we had a, a good friend of ours that we would play with a lot. His name was Jay. And he, I feel like every character he played, even when he was like trying not to play that same character, ended up becoming the same character. It was always like he would be the guy that was was the similarly the protector of everybody and he yeah. was whether whatever his alignment was on his sheet, he would always end up playing him lawful good and then it was always like <laughs> he was always a dwarf or something. Yeah, he was yeah, he's usually a dwarf or dark. <laughs> so I mean, you're you're talking not only personality-wise, I mean the build would be very similar every time as well. Kind yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> that that was just Jay. He was like he he loved playing the protector hero type. Like, yeah. you know, he, he you know, he wore, you know, he wore like Superman shirts all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like yeah, that's just that was just his way. Yeah. One thing that we also like to stress a lot, I know we're talking about, you know, what we talk about on our show all the time, but one thing that we like to talk mm-hmm. about with character creation is, you know, we emphasize the importance of building a very strong backstory because like even though you're you're coming in as a level 1 hero, you weren't born right there on the battlefield. Sure. Uh, you, you had sure. come from somewhere, um you have some sort of a backstory and that's going to inform your decisions moving forward and it's also going to uh, influence whether you're going to multi-class or uh you know those types of things which should help create some sort of variety uh when you play different characters but it, it may be it may be difficult not to fall into certain patterns for sure yeah yeah i know what you mean i i do want to commend you guys like you guys come up with some really cool detailed backstories for a character that ostensibly is only going to be, I guess, relevant for like an hour. Uh, so, <laughs> Very so frustrating. Good on yes. you. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm curious if someone, uh, I, I feel like I know the answer to this question before I ask, but if someone like emailed you and said, hey, I want to play this one character you guys made in my campaign, how would you, would you give them your blessing? Would you... Yeah, we just asked for a no. th- we just asked for a thousand dollars and and it's all theirs. Yeah, no problem. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not a big deal. Let me, let me check my uh, funding here. <laughs> if you if you do that, if you email us and say you want to play the character, I'd be happy to write up a level one version of the character for you. Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, our next question is from Jake, and he asks, "Do you feel that beast races are appropriate for a party?" Uh, orcs, hobgoblins, kobolds, bugbears, and yonti are all good, but what about a doppelganger, frost giant, centaur, uh, or maybe a displacer beast? Uh, <laughs> how far can one go if they want to play a monstrous race? Now, aren't um, minotaurs and centaurs coming coming through like in the next in the next uh, wizard supplement? Uh, I think well, they might. So they did do an unearthed arcana with centaur, yes, as a playable race. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like I, I remember, there it was. There was like it, it, one that was like 
equine, it, like, had the ability, it wasn't powerful build, but it was, like, equine build or something like that, where it kind of had powerful build, but then it, it had, like, disadvantage on, like, climbing checks, because it's a yes. hooved... Because it's a horse. Because it's a horse, <laughs> so it had, you know, and, you know, had some difficulty on, like, rough terrain or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, anyway, like, yeah, mon- Monstrous Races, uh, like, I... I'm, I really liked Savage Species in third edition. That was yeah. one of my that's one of my favorite books. I think that was the first D and D book beyond the player's handbook that I ever purchased. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if I ever purchased players a third edition player's handbook. I think I just borrowed it. Uh, maybe. But yeah, like I, I like I like monstrous races for playable races. But yeah, I do feel like I mean, not even just stat wise, just like putting them in there, like like half of you know half of the monstrous races that are popular. Are ones that are like affected by sunlight. And sure, like, how sure. How do you deal yeah. with that? Um, now, didn't you guys do an episode about uh, making monster races? If I recall, there was a shambling mound paladin. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So this is actually um, up on our Patreon as uh, one of our Fight Club episodes, where we actually take two of the characters that we've created and uh, have them duke it out uh, against one another, hand to hand combat, uh, and. We there is a supplement by a guy named Tyler Camstra over on the DMs Guild, uh, DMsGuild.com, and it's four dollars. He created all of the monsters from the Monster Manual into playable races. Awesome! Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's worth that's worth the money right there. Yeah, yeah. So with that book, in theory, you could make a Displacer Beast PC. <laughs> yes, a, di- a Displacer Beast Bard. <laughs> he's, a, sure. he's, a, he's his own backup dancer well, oh that's good actually i was gonna say a rogue because then they could like with those tentacles like reach around and like grab something out of someone's pocket sure and then if they saw him well it doesn't matter because he's over there <laughs> it's a, it was him he did it exactly <laughs> yeah so I, I i think you know this goes back to we we really like to stress backstory in in our character creation and and i think that if you have a backstory that you know, somehow explains that some a, a typically normal race uh, would make a good PC or at least a PC that would work with a party well enough to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, my answer is yes, because I, I, I think that this game is about, you know, limitless creation. I I'll I'll take a I'll take a stance here. OK. I actually don't like monstrous races. Uh-oh. I mean, <laughs> unless that's the point of the campaign. Sure. It's just that, like, I feel like if you're going to be playing a... If you're going to be playing a, a monstrous race or, like, a non-common... I don't, I don't even know how to how to put that. Just, like, a non... Core race. I see. I, I was going to say normal, but th- that just sounds awful. I don't mean to say that one type of, of character or person is normal and everybody else is wrong. Just, like, if you're going to play something like a Yanti, I feel like the kind of what you're going to be going for is the the fact that your character is different than a standard race. Mm. So I feel like to play a Yanti and not have that constantly cause problems would kind of be doing a disservice to playing a Yanti. Like, why are you playing a Yanti if you just want to act like any other character right if you're just there to look cool and get have and get the stats of the monster it's like yeah i want to look cool and be this unique you know race and have the stats of that but i don't want any anything else that has to do with it i don't want any of the downfalls or anything like that that's sort of yeah that's sort of sort of a i don't know yeah so so if if the point of the campaign was that like there's going to be a lot of issues with with people not being accepting of a beast race or something i i could get behind that but even with the players that are in the player's handbook, I, I already don't really like Dragonborn, for example. I won't ever <laughs> tell a player they can't play a Dragonborn, and I won't ever discourage them from doing so. But I will say, like, I'm not really going to use Dragonborn NPCs very much. Sure. You know, and I know that's it's a failing of mine, but I just, they just don't really, it, it feels weird to me having the set of races that I consider to be, you know, I got, I guess standard or like, viewed as normal races and then oh there's a dude that's also a dragon and i don't know it's even though i'm i'm all about fantasy settings and such it's just it's hard for me to get into the mind of someone talking to a dragon like it's a normal person you know what i mean yeah it well it's sort of like it, it lessens the experience of a dragon maybe sure sure well i would also i would argue against that that if you're 
Um, it, it, when you're at the table, every player is going to have their chance to kind of be the center of attention for whatever reason it is. And if you mm-hmm. want to play a monstrous race, well, then, you know, maybe it's not a problem all the time, but the problems that tend to be your main character moments, that's probably, you know, that could be what they're about. So mm, sure. to kind of balance it for the whole party, if you got a human, an elf, a dwarf, and a displacer beast, the displacer beast is going to have to accept the fact that every now and then his moment's going to be about what the hell is this displacer beast doing in the middle of the town? Should be we concerned, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and actually, the, the, you you raise a good point. Um, you know, the the race shouldn't necessarily define whether or not uh, it can be played. But I don't think it's much different than playing a character who would be, say, uh, lean towards evil, like you know, a, a thief. Uh, we, we in one of our campaigns, we had a, a character who was a notorious thief, uh, and part of the 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 tumult in the in the campaign was the fact that his past came back to haunt him and um so i I don't think it's too much too much about the race as it is really how how you play it if that makes sense okay yeah no that that makes sense and that's that's definitely valid uh i don't i i understand that this is just me not liking monstrous races is just like a weird Mm. block that i have i guess it's my chronic m block or something but uh um I don't know. Just in in my head, it's. I feel like I'm always gonna constantly be like, "What am I supposed to do with this displacer beast?" Sure. I feel like as a like as a player and like as somebody who likes to play things like Warforged, which aren't you know which aren't common in most you know in most campaigns. I'm glaring at Jeff right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like I might like I would use monstrous races as a more as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Than you know, than anything exciting, cause, just because like, like well, it's like because I, I don't, I'm not really great at role playing. Sure. But it's like if I can be a robot, I can I can role play a robot because I can just go beep boop or something. You know, <laughs> not I mean not Jeff, exactly. I've that. already given my thoughts about <laughs> Warforged being considered robots. But right. Go on. Well, I know. So, so so how do you how do you guys feel about? See, I I have a little bit more of a stance on on that in in a typical campaign. Um, like a Warforged ne- definitely doesn't fit in in any setting. I'm not saying that monstrous mm-hmm. races would either, but um, what what are your guys' thoughts on on that? Uh, about about Warforged, yeah, Warforged bringing, bringing like Warforged certain... into a conventional campaign. Well, um, well, we we had a campaign where Jeff wanted to play a Warforged, and I initially was against it, but I I don't ever want to tell a player no, you can't do that unless I, I said unless pretty, they they don't. Please. I mean, if if they have a good reason they want to play it. I'll generally try to consider it. Uh, I I won't ever just try to say like no. There was one case I did, but I think maybe I'll get to that in a second. But um, the the difficulty for me is just that I feel I feel that Warforged don't they don't make sense outside of Eberron. We've I've I've gone into this at length on a previous episode, but but I ended up I said yes, and then I found a way to incorporate it into the setting. And of course, it wasn't that oh, there's just Warforged everywhere. Jeff was literally the only warforged and i it was kind of part of the kind of part of the setting that like everyone knew who he was because he is that one warforged mm. that he's been around for a long time so like everybody knew he existed but people still treated him differently because he was yeah not a living person right i wasn't brand new like the, like the campaign had started like i think want to say like 30 years after my character like was discovered was discovered so like it was sort of like okay like it, it it's a weird thing we don't really like it but it's it's old news so it's yeah. not like it's it's not like every interaction action is going to be like what is that it's right. more it's, like oh it's that thing again kind of like the movie ted <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, which which again kind of goes back to the context and the backstory which it seems like you guys you know played it played it off pretty well so yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um if if a player came to me and said like hey i want to play a frost giant Mm -hmm. or something i would probably my initial reaction would probably be to try to veto it for for power reasons but if there was i mean because i i'm not familiar with the the book that has all like the player's handbook races in it but or the the monster manual races but if they were if there was a way to make it relatively balanced with the rest of the party i i would start thinking about it i would probably try it out but again, I would I would give the disclaimer that like I don't know how well I'm going to mm. incorporate this into the world. There was a time a long time ago where 
I had a player who he was like, I want to play a vampire. And this was the third edition days where playing a vampire meant you were like 10 levels higher than everybody else. Yeah. And the player had never played before. So it's not like he knew the he knew the pitfalls of being a vampire. And when I asked him why he wanted to be a vampire, he said, because none of the players handbook races are interesting. And, you know, of course, I'm rolling my eyes like, uh, okay, I don't think this guy knows what an interesting character is or isn't. So I I didn't want to let him play a a vampire because vampires specifically have so many drawbacks that make them not viable to be in a party, at least at the time. Because like, oh, now everybody has to do their adventuring at night. They can't go over a river or something. There's all all sorts of, of things, obstacles that that would cause for the rest of the party. So in the end, I was able to to placate him by saying how about this you can play a changeling because eberron was out at that time i said you can play a changeling but we're going to reflavor it so that instead of being part doppelganger you're part demon and it's because of your demon side that gives you this ability to change form and he loved that idea he was like yeah man this is gonna be awesome i'm gonna play the greatest character ever and then when the time came time to actually play in the session he just sat there he didn't do anything because he didn't know how to role play he didn't know how to play an interesting character he thought, kind of like Jeff, what you were saying, mm. he was using the character race as a crutch. Right. He was hoping that this is going to make my character interesting when uh-huh. the most interesting character in the group by far was the human druid because she actually knew how to play the game. Mm. So in that case, I did try to shut that down as quickly as possible. But I think that was because I got a better feel for like this player didn't have, in my opinion, a valid reason for wanting that. Whereas... I trust Jeff. I know that if I let you play a Warforged, you're going to try to make the best of it. I, li- I, like when, yeah. I like when you said, I trust Jeff, but but there was some some audible snickering in the background by Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, Gabe, I have an idea for my next character. Do you now? Yeah, I want to be, uh, be a, Zara- a Zaratan. Oh, is that the hell colossal yeah. turtle? <laughs> that is the colossal turtle with the island on its back, yes. Find me some stats and I'll think about it. Yes. That sounds very balanced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> think about it. I could just, we could, you know, the adventure, you know. The adventure will come to you. Exactly. <laughs> now, I'll be honest. I am not against the idea of the party living on a Zaratan. But you... Only being the Zaratan and not having an actual <laughs> character that will interact with the other characters, that's that's a bit harder to deal with. Maybe he's like a really good illusionist and he's like projecting himself, you know, as like a humanoid. Some, You're getting somewhere. Yeah, see? Yeah, now you got something going. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, All right. Um, yeah, do you guys have any more thoughts about uh, other other uh, playing other races and such? No, I'm, I'm good with it. As long as, it, yeah, as long as I feel like it's justified and it's not negatively affecting the experience for the other players. Sure. Yeah, that that is a really big thing. If if you're playing a, a frost giant or something, and every time you guys get to a dungeon, and oh, he won't fit through the door, well, I guess we don't get to go on this adventure. Then then it's a then it's a problem. Yeah, I I feel I feel like mechanics wise, like size is probably the biggest the biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, pun not intended. <laughs> or if if it's something like you're playing a vampire or whatever, and then. Um, oh, every now and then I have to kill an innocent person and now we're constantly being hunted by the 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 guards or whatever. If the rest of the party knows that going in and they're on board with that, okay. But if that just turns out to be a result of one player's decision, you know, that 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 feels like it's kind of taking the campaign in a direction that I wasn't planning on. I would I would probably want to reevaluate that. So so I think the beast rate personally, my my personal uh sensibilities. I'm not a huge fan of beast races, but I don't ever want to tell a player straight out no. I want to get a better better idea of why they want that and try to find a, a compromise. Uh, well, I think that'll do it for que- for the regular questions for today. However, we have our social media discussion question to get to. So uh, for anybody not familiar, because we just started this a couple weeks ago, but uh, we have, um, for the last year and a half, I've been posting social media questions. Every week I post a question on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit, and then uh, people can respond. But so far, there hasn't really been a way to incorporate that into the show. So we've started every week reading people's responses. Now, because of our recording schedule and how timey-wimey this is, if you don't respond within the first, like, 24 hours, Shanzar is not going to make it on the show. But it's this isn't just about listener responses. This is more, 
you know, just to get some discussion out of right, you know, the yeah. question among ourselves. Yeah. However, we do have some, you know, the the questions, the answers that have been given within the last uh, day or two. So first, let me cover the previous question that we did uh, on last episode was, did you ever play interactive fiction such as text adventures? If so, what was your favorite? Mm. So Garen and Dan, did you guys have uh, have anything to share about that? I have a couple of times. I I think my one of my first role-playing experiences was the fighting fantasy books, and okay. I have a couple of the lone wolf books. I think they're they're a lot of fun. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think well, that uh, those are like choose your own adventure books, if I'm correct, if I'm not mistaken. But you you do roll dice and keep track of inventory and things like that. Oh, oh you do. Sure, cool. sure. Huh. Yeah. I feel like I have, I have one. I might own one of those. Huh. I'll have to find that. Anyway, um, uh, I. I, the question was was more about like uh, um, Te- the text, like on a computer, like a text, yeah, uh, text-based adventures. adventure video game sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really play a ton of them when I was a little kid, but uh, like I've gotten more into a, a bit more into them as we've uh, like as I've, as I've gotten more into various types. Gabe, of how is how is not reading a book and rolling well, dice on the side interactive fiction? I mean, it, I answered it is your interactive question. Fiction, <laughs> Don't but... shame me on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I. Hey, I, yeah, I, I'm on, I'm on your side because like, when Gabe brought this up la, la, when we discussed this last time, I was like, I, I like, I don't know, like, te- <laughs> like a, interactive fiction. That's, yeah, I mean, you can you can say D and D is interactive. No, fiction. I mean, you're you're right, you're right. But I I was asking this question because then there was another question that I was going to have on an episode that was, did you ever get to choose your adventure books? Which right, are yeah, a little bit different. Sure. Um, but uh, like, there's there's a documentary that I watched a long time ago called Get Lamp, which is all about like the start of, of like Zork and Colossal Cave Adventures and those types of games. And uh, that that's more what I was talking about. But Choose Your Own Adventure books and, and the Lone Wolf books and, and Fighting Fantasy and all that. Still, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. That's that's fine. Yeah. And a hot dog is not a sandwich. But Jeff, go on. Jeff, shut your mouth. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so... So you guys bring out the competitive side of us, I feel like. Sure. <laughs> we need more of it. All right. So... So I didn't really have a, a ton of these that I got into when I was a, a kid. So I guess we can move on to the new question, which is character voices. Do you ever use one? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Do you use them with every character? I, I try to uh, because every mm-hmm. character is unique. And it's our we on our show, we call them babies. And uh, that's because we like right. to nurture them and <laughs> and bring them from the ground up. So we, we do like to cr- uh, treat each character like they're, you know, individuals. And, and if uh, Garen and I had a, a duo of characters in our Tomb of Annihilation campaign of um bounty hunters and they both had accents from what we attempted to be from the bayou but uh really just ended up being (laughs) country western accents towards the end there so sure (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah yeah i i I always try to come up with a character voice it doesn't always work out and like sometimes i fall out of it i'm just if i just can't keep it up yeah because some of the some of the voices i come up with end up being like just like they wreak havoc on my on my throat or something like that, and I'm just like, nah, I can't keep this up. Because r- right now I'm playing a uh, lizard folk, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna. He's gonna be all like, you know, he's, I don't know, he's gonna be all monstrous and stuff. And like, I find myself not saying as much or trying to figure out ways to say less, so, <laughs> sure, I, so sure. I don't, you know, I don't hurt myself. Yeah, um, in my uh, library games that I've been running. <laughs> Uh, we've had we've had some fun experiences because I'm I'm running. There's a a pre-written adventure that's broken up into five uh, five little mini adventures because I only have like an hour and a half to run one of these one of these games. So I've been running these short little mini adventures, and each one has some sort of an interesting interaction with with an NPC or something. There was one adventure where the players encountered a family of Galabder. Galabder are these uh, like stone elemental creatures mm. and so when i was uh when i was uh, introducing them to the players they would talk like this my oh, name is <laughs> and uh and why oh <laughs> it was it was rough on my voice but everybody had a they had a blast with it sure yeah they love they love those voices and then in the most recent one the players encountered some uh some kobolds <laughs> And, you know, kobolds are much easier than, than this. But uh, I would still, you know, 
around. They would talk. I always put my hands in front of my mouth and I do yeah. a high pitched voice when doing that. Uh, yeah, Gabe's kobold. technique for kobold or goblin voices is he puts his hands in front of his mouth and just talks. I just like, I, I make like <laughs> claw. Make like claws out of my hands, put them in front of my mouth, and then just wiggle my fingers back and forth. <laughs> like, I don't know like what that, it does. Yeah, but. like that makes a difference to the voice, but sure. it, but it adds it's it's an added effect, and that's just that's how cobalts talk. They talk yeah, with, that's, their, that's with their hands they, in front of the mouth. That's how they talk exactly. Yeah. I was writing a book a long time ago. Where one of the characters uh, heard some kobolds, and so she yelled something back in kobold, and I wrote out that she put her hands in front of her mouth for distortion. Um, yeah. So so when I'm running those, when I'm a DM, especially, I do try to. I try to do character voices, but as a player, I find that I generally don't. I w- mm. I think I should. I really should, but I usually find myself just talking with my normal voice. So yeah. do, you, do you guys play theater of the mind, or do you guys play with miniatures and a grid? Or Well, um, in a home game, I would rather do uh, grid and miniatures. Mm-hmm. However, um, I do theater of the mind a lot, especially at the library, because like I don't want to have to bring... I don't. I feel like that, that makes the game take longer. Yes. Um, if I if I can get across everything just through description, it's going to just be smoother all around. But if I'm doing a home game, I would much rather be able to get more granular with the tactics and everything. Do, do you yeah. find yourself doing more voices and, and gestures and, and kind of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, like in a theater of the mind? Yeah, yeah. Do you find, do you find yourself doing that's, that a little bit more in theater of the mind? That's a really good question, and I think the answer is yes. Hmm. I think that's a big part of it, actually. Huh. I, I haven't really played too much theater to mind like games, like maybe like once or twice, but yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think that might be it. We do tend to do a good cross section of, of the two. We still have a grid with minis, but um, really only just to determine position of things for mm-hmm. battle. But um, a majority, Garen, what would you say? I, I would say that a majority of our stuff is kind of theater to the mind ish. Yeah. And I would say as a DM, I tend to, I had a problem for a while of just doing gruff voices for everything. So I try and think more about body posture and movements with your, you were just, you know, Gabe, your whole story reminded me of that, that yeah, sometimes it's not so much about the voice, especially if it's difficult for you to keep up as trying to convey the character in some other way. And that could also kind of put you in the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I remember somebody on Facebook a while ago on, in the fifth edition Facebook group was asking like, if I'm trying, it was a girl and she was asking if I'm trying to do a guy's voice, what if I can't speak deeply? Like, what if I can't do a deep voice? And my response was doing a deep voice doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't convey a male. Just like doing, if I talk like this, <laughs> that doesn't automatically convey that I'm playing a female. It's more about the tone of your voice, the patterns of your speech, possibly even like the, the way you carry your body while you're yeah. playing that character. So there, it's a lot more than pitch. There is a lot that goes into it. And yeah, it can really help you get into your character, which is why I feel like I should do character voices more. But I, I find that I just I don't usually depending on the voice, it can take you out of the character or 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 it can take other people out of the out sure. of the game because it's just like it's, you know, so off putting or something. That's, Not to that's say true. that it's like that you do a bad job with voices, Gabe, Gabe. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, it, 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 like it could be distracting or if you're, you know, if if you're not. Like if you do too gruff of a voice or something, like somebody might not understand you, which sure. could be fun. It could be like it's you know it could be part of the character's you know one of his flaws is that people don't understand him very well, even though he's speaking common. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we have a few responses from listeners. Oh yeah. Um, so on Facebook we got a few responses. Uh, Adam B said I use several for all my NPCs and I use them for my PCs. Uh, helps me get into character and always fun to try new accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing you can you know an accent. It can be a lazy way to do a character voice, but if you if if you feel comfortable doing it, it can be a quick and easy way to just feel like someone other than yourself. So not to discourage accents. If you want to do one, go for it. John G said, I have till that character got Tourette's for allowing a god to possess him to help the party. Oh, dear. So that'd be interesting uh, if a if a god possessed your character and and gave you gave them a different voice or whatever. Uh huh. Uh, Sean M said, try. Yes. Successful. Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Justin, uh, Justin H said, I, I use crappy Russian, crappy Middle Eastern and crappy English. Sometimes I just change the intonation of my voice. That's really all it takes is the intonation of your voice. You can try a crappy accent if you want. 
Uh, Kryptonic901 says, every dwarf I do is Scottish. So is every human and elf and werewolf. He's Scottish. Yes. (laughs) Dwarves are Scottish, though. I have to agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, he, that was in response to Timmy Soup on Reddit saying, uh, uh, as a DM, I've definitely been trying, even if it's subtle, just changing the tone of your voice or pitch. Accents can be hard, but there's a few that I can sort of do for small phrases only. If uh, I find if I try, then the players tend to give it a go as well. That's really important. If you as the DM do it, the players are more likely to do a character voice as well. Yeah. So lead by right. example. Yeah. Uh, but then he ends his post by saying, remember, not all dwarves are Scottish. <laughs> no, Which, they uh, are. They're definitely all Scottish. <laughs> I, I like, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever met a dwarf that wasn't Scottish. So, yeah, I, I, that's true. I haven't ever met a dwarf that wasn't Scottish either. Mm. There's so many dwarves I encounter on a day to day basis. Uh, and then uh, just one last one um, at Draker Flens on Twitter said, I try to mainly for role play reasons when I hashtag GM, I always do to help with memory cues. <laughs> so that's that's a really good point. If you have an, like a, an accent or a manner of speech that you always associate with a specific NPC. Oh, yeah. That can help the players recognize who they're dealing with. And hey, can, that can help somebody remember a character's name, maybe. They're, they're there the one you that's, go, tying it back in up top, Jeff. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, like it was that Scottish dwarf. Yeah, what was his name again? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, well, so, um, so that'll do it for the uh, discussion questions for today. Now, before we end out the episode, however, I think uh, the four of us, we should uh, take a deep breath. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and then let's uh, let's sit back, let's relax, let's remember those who have come before us, and let's toss another log onto the funeral pyre. So now uh, for the funeral pyre today, if I'm not mistaken, one of you two has, or both of you has a character death. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, so uh, in our... Tyranny of Dragons campaign, uh, we got to the final battle with Tiamat, um, and as you know, that's a pretty formidable opponent. Uh, We were all kind of doing our part to uh, try and (laughs) slay the dragon, Uh, pun absolutely. For the record, for the record, I was not trying to do my part to slay the dragon because I was Tiamat. (laughs) Yes. So I was trying to kill him. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Uh, So basically... um, the rogue was, you know, getting away with murder because uh, they have the evasion uh, ability as well as yeah. uh, the ability to dash, hide, or disengage as a bonus action, which allowed mm-hmm. him to just pop arrows off and really do some damage, especially with sneak attack and all that other stuff. So um, I was a dragonborn who had transitioned. I know, Gabe, I, I know your skin's crawling at the sound. <laughs> It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but I had transitioned actually into a homebrew dragon race um, over time. So I was a copper dragon at this point, um, the size of a, uh, a young dragon. And okay. uh, we were in combat and I had gone down and uh, Garen as Tiamat continued to, justifiably so, I mean, attack the metallic dragon even after it was down, uh, picked it up in its jaws and ripped its head off. I mean, so my oh. character Patron perished uh, by way of beheading in the uh, in, in a dragon's mouth. One of his five mouths, or her five mouths. Oh, yeah. my right. goodness. Jeez. So in I the have final a pun battle. I can make, but I'll, I'll save it a moment. <laughs> it's too soon, Gabe. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> Still hurts. Um, yeah, yeah, I imagine. How long ago was this? Uh, this was November of last year. Okay, yeah, so so yeah, pretty uh, pretty recently. F- fairly fresh. It is. <laughs> the good news is we did slay the beast, uh, and our paladin was able to get my head back on with a revivify spell, so that was... Oh, wow. It was a little okay. bit of hand-waving so Dan could be there for the end. It was. Sure, it was. Sure. It was. It was a great celebration, but yeah, I, I still consider that a very dramatic death. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, if I, I've mentioned uh, on the show before, but um, like a lot of people have an issue with death being "quote unquote" easy to to overcome, and they say that they that they feel like that makes death not have stakes. I feel like if if somebody gets their head ripped off and then they get brought back to life and they're just walking around like everything's fine, I think the player and the DM have both made a, made a mistake. If, if that feels like there's no stakes, 
the player should be playing their character like their head just got ripped off and they had to experience that. Right. You know. Yeah. If that was the halfway point of the adventure and he had had his head ripped off by any other dragon, he would have been dead mm-hmm. for sure. Sure. No sure. paladin spells are bringing him back. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely uh, get behind that uh, that that DM call. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you want him to be there for the finale, that sort of you thing. You know, we sure. had the parade in town. That was crazy. <laughs> Everybody was riding yeah. my back. I was a dragon. It was great. Yeah. Oh, they should have made, like, a big float of each of your characters, and then uh, the Dragonborn floats head should have gotten accidentally cut off. Or or it was used as a pinata, and the town people knocked its head off. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah, there, it. there you go. That's like it. That one. <laughs> Way to subtly tell me I screwed up the end of the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think we will. Uh, I think we will raise a glass in memory of Patron, the Dragonborn mm-hmm. warrior. What, what, what class was he? He, he? he was a Dragonborn fighter. <laughs> Dragonborn fighter. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so I think we will raise a glass in memory of Patron, the Dragonborn fighter, who just couldn't get ahead in life. Oh, clean. oh. nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that earlier, but I was like, "Oh no, no, I gotta, I gotta save it for." for <laughs> hold back on that. Yes. <laughs> hold back. Hold um, back. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for uh, for the episode today. If uh, would you guys like to go ahead and plug your show once again? Your show, your Patreon, anything else you're working on? Yes, thank you. Uh, we are the D and D Character Lab. We make new characters every week and argue over who did a better job. Our Patreon is Patreon.com/slash D and D Character Lab. That's an N, not an and sign. We also have some products available on DMs Guild. If you look under my name, Garen Jones, G-A-R-I-N-J-O-N-E-S, you will find all the products that we have published. We've got some fun stuff out there like Wombo's Guide to Combos, where you you and your friend can hold your actions and then attack together. That is even cooler than before, but it also has drawbacks if you fail. Uh, We've got some other stuff available as well. And uh, that, yeah, that's it. Thanks for having us on the show. This has been great. Yeah, thank awesome. you so yeah, much. Thank you, guys, uh, thank you guys for coming on. Um, to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, a running list of questions asked, and important links, go to interpartyconflict.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, and Twitter, at inpartyconflict, where I post weekly discussion questions for you. And if you answer them within the first 24 hours or so, (laughs) we might uh, include them on a future episode. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. We started a Patreon, so check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where we play video games, and it is also where we, where we be, uh, we'll be putting up the, the stream of us playing uh, arcade games. Yes, that's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of arcade games... If you'd like to submit some of your childhood memories of going to the arcade, either write them to us in an email or record it yourself and send it to us that way at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also head over to bit.ly slash inpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Dan and Garen, until next time... When it comes to character creation, just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Gabe, you are amazing.